Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Head Over Heels. My name is Maggie, your host as always. Now, we've been up to something really fun and uh, I'm so excited to finally be able to share it with all of you. So together with British High Commission Kuala Lumpur, we're so proud to be recording an exclusive episode with some of Malaysia's most iconic sports women in the world of sports. Now, I will be sitting down with FC Kuala Lumpur's first team head coach, Kashika Subarao. We also have ex-gymnast and founder of Carolyn School of Rhythmic Gymnastics, Carolyn Aoyong, and Malaysian artistic gymnast, our nation's sweetheart, the Farah Ann, to discuss about their journey as women in the world of sports. So sit back, relax, and maybe get a cup of coffee, tea, or maybe, like I always say, your favorite kombucha, because that's what I would do. And let's get head over heels. Everybody, welcome back to Head Over Heels. My name is Maggie, your host, and I have lost count on how many episodes we have this season because we didn't manage to record any in the month of February. But I'm very excited to be doing this today uh, because we will be celebrating, you know, some of the most iconic sports women with us um, right here. But before that, I've got a little fun fact. Did you know that about 150 years ago, prior to the 1870s, right? Sports for women only existed in the form of play and recreation rather than being competitive. So fast forward today, while some of us, ladies, um, we partake in sports in our leisure time, but some of them, they dedicate their whole lives to it. And today we have not one, not two, not three of Malaysia's most iconic sports women with us right here on Head Over Heels. It's such an honour. So... I'm just going to say hi, ladies. Hello. <laughs> so we try to rehearse the starting point. It's always awkward, but we'll make it comfortable along the way. But yeah, ladies, hello, everybody. Um, we had a chat earlier. It was a really nice chat. So right now we're just on camera. That's the only difference. <laughs> How's everyone feeling today? I'm good. Feeling really, really, really good. Yeah. Very excited. Mm -hmm. Same here. Okay. <laughs> now you heard three voices, but I haven't introduced them. So... Right next to me, if you are on um, Spotify, you guys feel free to hop onto YouTube to see their beautiful faces. And then, you know, some people need um, a face to the names. If you want to do that, feel free. Uh, right next to me is Kashika Subarao. And right next to Cash is Farah Ann. And of course, we have Carolyn Aoyong. So ladies, would you do the honour to just do a quick introduction of yourself? Maybe Carolyn can go okay. first. Um, so I'm Carolyn. Um, I'm... I'm a rhythmic gymnastics coach. I open a school uh, called Rhythmic, uh, Carolyn School of Rhythmic Gymnastics and I teach uh, young kids. I used to be a rhythmic gymnast. Um, mm -hmm. So um, I represented Malaysia for the 18 uh, Commonwealth Games in, uh, held in Malaysia. Yeah, that was in 1998. Yes, am I that's right. right. And yeah. how old were you? I was 16 years old then. Wow. Yeah. And you want gold and bronze, yes, am I right? that's right. Yeah. And what about you, Farah? Um, so I am Farah N, mm -hmm. and I am a national artistic gymnast. I'm the first woman in 20 years to qualify for the Olympic Games. I have been a gymnast for coming 25 years. Mm -hmm. I'm turning 28 this year. And <laughs> um, yeah, I think... That, that wraps it up. Yeah, it does. It does. I was going to say, you go, girl. Yeah, I, like, yeah. I, think that's, I think that's enough. Yeah. No worries. Honestly, the introduction is always a little awkward. And um, to our audience, bear with us. You know, we just met each other. So it's always like that. But as we go along, we'll get more comfortable. But what about you, Cash? I mean, you see, we're already friends. I'm calling her Cash already. Oh, yes. Kashika. Yes, go ahead. 
So my name is Kesh- uh, Keshika Subara. I'm a football coach. I'm currently the head coach for the FC Kuala Lumpur first team. Mm-hmm. And I've just recently started my own football academy as well in Putrajaya. Wow. Um, so I've been coaching for about 10 years, but I've been involved in sports pretty much all my life. Yeah. And that's why I we got all you ladies here today because I think it's really high time we start giving our female athletes and sports women the recognition that they deserve in the world of sports and really make it known that women in sports can make it as competitive as exciting and that's why we are here today. Am I right ladies? That's right. I hear the yeses. <laughs> okay, so now we've got to know a little bit about you. That's just a very brief introduction. We want to get deeper into it. But before that though, let's rewind a little. Go way back to maybe in your first few years in sports. Like how did it start? Like what made you pick the sport that you're in right now? Um uh, maybe Cash you want to go first? So, um well, I went to a uh, a Chinese primary school. Mm-hmm. So the first sports that I got involved in was mostly basketball and volleyball. Uh-huh. But I've always had an interest in football because my dad used to be a semi-professional footballer. Uh-huh. So we had trophies and we had photos in the house. So I was very curious about the sport, but uh, I didn't get opportunity to play it. And also back then in Malaysia especially, it's not easy for girls to get involved in football. That's very true. I don't remember having even a football club in my school then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So most schools when we have like a physical education, girls are not allowed to play football. You get to play like It's almost ball, like it's exclusive yeah. for the boys. Yeah, yeah. right? There's yeah. that that idea that it's only yeah. for the boys. Yeah. So I've always wanted to try it but I've mm-hmm. never gotten the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So that ended up making me want to do that even more. <laughs> That's right girl. So that's how um but then I think I started around 14. Yeah. So it's a bit too late to start from scratch again. Mhm. So I started getting involved in the media side of football while right. playing for fun. Right. So that's where I got involved in football. So it's always been in you. Mm-hmm. I love that. <laughs> Farah, what about you? And I remember you were saying you started at age 3. 3. Yes. That's, I was going to say wow, that's yeah. really young. <laughs> I started very very young, but I think Um it's quite natural for gymnasts to start at a very young age mm-hmm. and I started at 3 and then I joined the national team I think when I was my first competition was when I was 6 years old 7 mm-hmm. MSSM and then when I was 8 I joined the national team mm-hmm. and then when I was 10 was the first time I represented Malaysia wow I remember my first competition in Singapore and then it really just progressed cuz I really I think the first moment I knew I fell in love with sports uh, especially gymnastics was when I was 6 years old. Wow. And I knew that <laughs> this was something that I loved and even in school um you know in report cards you have like yeah. the, what do you want to be yeah. and I always put like gymnast. Really? Yeah, so I put gymnast gymnast and then my mom was a teacher <laughs> so like okay lah put teacher lah. <laughs> But yeah, because we've got to give options, right? <laughs> <laughs> options. So three, like two of them are always gymnasts. And mm. yeah, and then I represented Malaysia at the SEA Games, then Commonwealth Games, Asian mm. Games, mm. and just recently at the Olympics. Nice. And congratulations on your recent win, by the way. Thank We you. We were so proud of you. <laughs> yeah. And what about you, Caroline? Well, um, I started gymnastics when I was nine years old and mm-hmm. it was in school. Mm-hmm. My school is an all-girls school. So I was in Bukit yep. Bintang Girls School. Yeah. Um, so I started off there just as an activity because I was yeah. looking at all the older girls and mm-hmm. I'm like, why not try it out, mm-hmm. right? So it was never to actually pursue the sport in a higher level, right? Uh, but eventually, I got into the sports, I got into competitions and all that, mm-hmm. and then I decided, hey, you know, maybe it's something I could do. I yeah. could pursue further, yeah. which I did. Yeah. Um, so I got into gymnastics at nine. Um, 
went for more competitions when I was 12 years old above. And mm-hmm. then I got into the national team as well about 12 years old. So that was a little bit late compared to Farah Ann. Um, but I pursued it and I, I had a goal. I'm like, okay, let's let's just focus on going to um, go to the uh, Commonwealth Games, yes. which I did, which was when I was 16 years old. That's amazing. And once I did that, um, I decided, okay, maybe just step back down <laughs> and go back to real life um, being a teenager, yes, you know? Yes. Yeah, but I, I actually enjoyed my time as a gymnast and mm-hmm. my... Um, my my basically that yeah mm. you know what i really like that at 16 you knew okay i've done this i got this now i want to try something else like you knew what you wanted to do at such yes. a young age yeah yes so you knew right. you wanted to step back at 16 after the commonwealth yes i did mm. so i did a lot of competitions so asian games yeah. commonwealth yeah. games um other other competitions as well yeah. and my main goal was actually for commonwealth games i love that yes yeah. And you nailed it, girl. <laughs> okay, I think um, before we go further, right? Because I think Carolyn and Farah, both of you are in gymnastics, but in the very different um, fee. Uh, what do you call it? A um, category. Category. Categories? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Mm. So don't mind my silly question, but for someone like me, I may get confused. To me, gymnasts may be the same thing, but it's different. Am I right? And there are different different categories. And what you're doing, Farah, and what you did, Carolyn, and is still doing and teaching is different. Yes. Rhythmic and artistic <laughs> gymnastics. Yes. Do you mind just breaking it down for us a little? Yeah. So I do rhythmic gymnastics. Mm-hmm. Rhythmic gymnastics is actually only for girls. Oh. Yes. I didn't know that. Yes. And um, we we, I think we start off very at a very early age. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's the same. Yeah. The yeah. Same. Yeah. But we do um with the apparatus like the ball, the clubs, right. the rope, the hoop, mm-hmm. and the ribbon, which everyone yes. wants to play, about. <laughs> <laughs> especially the little kids. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so artistic, uh, we. Also use apparatus, but we have, I guess, like bigger apparatus. So we have the floor, right. a vault, bar, and beam. Mm-hmm. And, but we have, it's a men and female sport. Right. And to further clarify, um, gymnastics actually has also other different like divisions. Yes. So we have acrobatics, mm-hmm. we have trampoline, we have uh, aerobics, then artistic and rhythmic. Mm-hmm. And I think they just put in parkour. Oh, into wow. into the category of gymnastics. Um, so actually, we're all gymnasts, yes. but uh, in different categories. different category. Yeah, and we, we do not... So it's different sports. Right. So if I think to let people easier to understand is so like aquatics. Yes. So you have swimming, you have yes. diving and you don't interchange. So that's right. the same for gymnastics. Although rhythmic and artistic are similar in like maybe like one, two percent. Well, that's very different. <laughs> but yeah, we, we cannot like interchange. Right. And in Malaysia, you mentioned there's only the two categories. There's the rhythmic and artistic yes. gymnastics. Yes. two categories. Right. I see. Okay. So to those of you listening who, who has always wondered, just like me, I hope that clarified uh, your curiosity. But yeah, thank you so much for sharing. I really like that. And that's just the beginning of our conversation. So of course, today's conversation is really to dive deep into understanding your respective journeys in sports and your stories behind each chosen field which you did. But of course, I'm pretty sure there's more to it. So today with us, we do have three very different individuals, as you can see, but they're all driven um, with the same goal to make a difference for women in sports. As Before we go further... um, Okay, this is a very interesting question. I'm sh- pretty sure you've experienced this before. Uh, have you ever encountered any naysayers? <laughs> See, told you. <laughs> Telling you, no, you shouldn't be doing this. And if, yes, you did, what spurred you to continue on? Because if you didn't, you wouldn't be sitting here with us. So um, who wants to take this? Okay, uh, I guess I'll yeah, take Farah, it. Go ahead. Um, I think for me, um, when I was younger, 
the naysayers, I wouldn't say that there were a lot because I was mm. very lucky to be growing up in an environment where I had very supportive parents mm. and like a family. And in school, I was very competitive. So I was always, okay, if the boys are doing this. And because yeah. gymnastics, I didn't, didn't I didn't do it in school. Oh, So it was something that I did in uh, like out class of school. out of school. Right. So that was a separate thing. So mm-hmm. I never compared it. But then as I grew older and especially being a young woman in sports and plus, I think it was more of like the media. Mm-hmm. And especially when you're doing, you're competing for Malaysia and when you, you lose or... And I was quite a tall gymnast and I was quite a little bit, I wouldn't say I was heavier, but, mm-hmm. fat, but as a gymnast, I was always bigger. So people always got me fat. And mm. and that really spawned, and especially when I lost. Yeah. People were like, oh, you're too big, you're too fat, you're too injured. Mm. You know, you shouldn't do this. You know, it's it's not a good sport for girls. Mm. And I think that really, yes, it hurt me, but I was just like, you know, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And I want to be successful in it. And yeah. I don't care because... I have people who support me in my life and yeah. this is something that I want to pursue for myself. Yeah. And I just kind of put that as like the kindling to my fire yeah. to make sure, you know, I'm going to prove all these people wrong. I love that. Channeling that 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 hate into something better, right? Cash, I feel like you have something to say. <laughs> I, I could feel it. It's just right <laughs> next to me. I'm, I'm ready. I could feel it. <laughs> the, burning, uh, the fire burning in you. But yeah, share with us. So I just thought what Farah said was quite interesting yeah. because it's two very different sports but yeah. it's kind of the same response mm-hmm. because uh, obviously football is always seen as a male-dominant oh, yeah. sport and For you know sure. women shouldn't be in it. Yeah. So that was something that I thought would only be, be part of my career in the beginning. Mm. So eventually when you get to a certain point, people will see what you can do and then they'll just stop about, uh, talking yeah. about it. Yeah. But I think recently I found out that never goes away. Oh. So... I just thought it was quite interesting. <laughs> yeah, like, I guess people will always have something to say. Mm-hmm. And whether or not we give them that power to affect us, I think that makes a difference, right? Yeah, so that's something that not just, I guess, not just as an athlete, as a human being in your workplace, I think everybody experiences that. So, um, guys, let's just be kinder. <laughs> yeah. Also yeah. busybody, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, yeah, I wonder why though, like people would just have such an opinion about something that's not even their lives. I think it's like because we like social media now, mm-hmm. it's so easy for people just to type things and especially yeah. like what oh, yeah. Cash said was, it's so true that like you yeah. would think that, oh, I proved people, you know, I've done, I'm doing my best and yeah. you know, you're putting your heart out yeah. but then people always like would nitpick yes. and I think that's why, especially what you said, it's really, really true. We just need to like prove ourselves and you know, just go on and do what we're best do at. You, yeah. Do what you do best and let your, let your work do the talking. Let your success do the talking. And I like that. And speaking of which, right, um, my next question is, uh, what are some of the most memorable competitions you've taken part in, you've partaked in? Like, um, Cash, I know you coach a bunch of boys, a group of boys, and they go for competitions. And yeah, what's that like for you? What was the most memorable one for you? So I think this was... Pre-pandemic, yes. that's the last time we, we can had, relate. <laughs> <laughs> that was the last time we had like a competition where we had to travel. Yes, so uh, we were kind of the underdog team mm-hmm. going in, mm-hmm. and it was memorable because of how the boys came through mm-hmm. and ended up beating all the previous champions, even though wow. they were new at that time. Yeah, so that was kind of quite a memorable tournament for me because. I was not a proven coach for like an b- older boys team yeah. or a men's team at that point. Yeah. So when that had happened, um, it kind of uh, validated me 
um, my understanding of my abilities as yes, well. Yes, yes. But also seeing how eager they were yeah. and how they're willing to take things. Mm-hmm. I thought that was quite an interesting tournament for me. Mm-hmm. What about you, Farah? I'm sure you've been to many, many games. Yes, to many, many <laughs> games. But I think, um, I, I don't know if people know this, but actually my older sister, Katrina Ann, mm-hmm. she was an artistic swimmer. Mm. And so I think one of the big games, um, I, I do have a lot of memory, <laughs> but I think I'll talk about like Commonwealth Games. Yeah. Um, so my first Commonwealth game was in New Delhi ah. um, and it was with my older sister. Yeah. So we got to walk in the opening ceremony together mm-hmm. and my parents plus my younger sister I went to watch and that was my first time at a very big competition yeah. and to kind of like really see and then with the crowd and it yeah. was so memorable because it was the first time that I went to represent Malaysia but also it was the first time that I felt that I really belonged in the yeah. sport yeah. and that I wanted to do this more in the future and to have my family there and then to have that whole experience and the opening ceremony in Delhi it was so amazing for the Commonwealth Games and the colour and the it was just the most spectacular thing I even remember and that time Jai Ho the song Jai Ho was popular and it was just such an amazing oh, wow. competition and throughout all my competitions like the other Commonwealth Games I've been to Australia Gold Coast mm-hmm. and also in um, sorry the other 14, <laughs> too many 18 and <laughs> I've only um, been to one. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll still get to you, Carolyn. Yeah, sorry. 10, 14. So Delhi was 10 and then 14. Um, yeah, and in Scotland. Yeah. Um, uh, actually, also in... Sorry, my story very long. <laughs> <laughs> okay, keep going. Keep going. Yeah. So I'll just touch on like Commonwealth Games. Yeah, just because... Sure. And then Scotland, I think a lot of people didn't that didn't know that mm-hmm. I actually was one of the only ones who qualified for the finals. Oh. And so when I was warming up for the individual all around, yeah. I was warming up and I actually tripped and oh. I skinned my knee. Oh. So I had like this huge gash on my knee. Yeah. And even before that, when I was warming up for beam, I fell and I kind of like twisted one of my like pink toes. Yeah. And so I was wrapped up, I was on painkillers and then I skinned my knee and I had this huge gash on my knee. And my coach is like, I don't know if she's going to go out and compete because I'm like <laughs> limping. <laughs> I'm limping out and I go out there and my parents, my teammates are like, what's wrong? Like, Because oh, no. you see in the yeah. video, there's like this red thing that's like a little yeah. bit bleeding yeah. and it was one of my best performances ever. Because no way! It was the crowd, it was amazing and like, my parents couldn't be there at that time yeah. but it was just, and that was like, I guess that was the start of my career as like an older female athlete mm-hmm. and that kind of was the beginning of that phase of my life. Wow. So, that was also a very, very memorable part of I, my journey. I can't even walk with the gush <laughs> on my knee. You want it, girl. Oh my goodness. Okay, Carolyn. Um, what about I you? I think, you know, very memorable when you have family there. Oh yeah, you know? And when you say you have a sis- your sister there, I had goosebumps, you know? <laughs> oh wow. So like, um, during the Cornwall Games, the 18 Cornwall Games, mm-hmm. um, of course it was in Malaysia. Yeah. So, Family, friends, oh, yes. everyone, everyone was could there, and not just everyone. The whole Malaysia was there. We had more Malaysians than anyone else in the in the crowd. Mm. So to me, um, just home ground itself, that feeling of mm-hmm. being home and performing in front of so many people, it's just very, very memorable and very exciting. Mm. You know, it it gives me that kind of energy that I want to burst into yeah. doing a a really good performance for everyone as well. Yeah. Especially when I've worked so hard. For sure. You know, for, for that games. Yeah. yeah. So that's the most memorable one for me. 
<laughs> and you were 16. Yes, I was 16. 16 wow. years old. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing, ladies. I mean, I have no words. I mean, when Farah talks about how the opening ceremony is so amazing and mes- mesmerizing, I can only imagine because I only watch it through TV. And you guys are there in flesh and I can only imagine. I just realized that we were the same age. Oh. For our first Commonwealth, because I was oh, 16 nice. and you were 16. Ah, there we go. Some <laughs> common um, stories there. Um, but also, I think since the upcoming Commonwealth Games is going to be in Birmingham, right? And uh, Cash, I was told that you were studying in the UK. And I think we want to know as well, like, how was that experience like for you? So I went to the UK around 2010, 2011. Mm-hmm. So I was just turning 17 at the point, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, the main reason I wanted to study in the UK was because I wanted to pursue a football degree. Oh. <laughs> so They have a football degree. I think that that's, was the first year they, they introduced that's such a thing. That's very interesting. Okay, what yeah. do you study? So, you know, football. I can't even remember now. Oh, yeah, you didn't pursue I didn't it. it. Okay, you did something else. Okay, yeah. yes, she did something else. So let's share with us. So initially I applied and yeah. got in because at that point I was already involved in football for quite a few years. Mm-hmm. So I managed to get into the course, but mm-hmm. because of the age and you need to do a, a gap in yeah. between it. Yeah. So I had to do either A-levels or foundation in science mm-hmm. to do the degree. Yeah. So I accepted the offer. I went to the UK to do foundation in science. But at the time, because I was so young and yes. I was literally continents away and on my own everyone around me told me that it's a bad idea to do football degree because someone actually brought up a statistic saying that for every hundred thousand jobs available in football there's only one for women at that time (sighs) so they were saying that doing a football degree is pointless because you might get it done and not be able to work in the sport so at that time, because you had teachers, you had counsellors, yeah. everyone saying the same thing. Yeah. I thought the best option was to do something that's somewhat Safer? easier. All right. Because I still wanted to pursue football on the yeah. side, but at the same time do something that won't take up too much of my time. Mm-hmm. So that's when I applied to do a law degree. Law is easy for you. <laughs> well, because it's no maths. <laughs> I was just like, easy, okay, law, all right. <laughs> I cried studying business law. <laughs> okay, but yeah, for real. Yeah, um, because the lack of maths. Oh, yeah. Okay, but fair. also, um, I could read fast and understand concepts quickly. Girl, I so I it. thought that would be a better option because mm-hmm. you could do that and still focus on doing football. Yeah, you wanted something that was able to let you have that bit of a freedom to still pursue what mm-hmm. you love that was football. But you also loved law. Or did you not? Or you were just I doing it because... I strong opinions about it, but it was the thought process was that, like that. if I don't make it in football, yes. at least I could go into sports law. And right. that was like the minimum That's entry. a very smart decision, honestly. <laughs> yeah, but you ended up still thriving in sports. And I love that. I think once I was in law itself, I thought that it's not something that I wanted to do Mm -hmm. because it's something I could do, but it doesn't drive me in any way. I don't feel anything for it. No No passion, nothing. No passion. So I continued coaching football and then eventually once I was done with the degree, I knew for sure that that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So I just went full-time into it. So that experience in the UK really shaped your experience. I Mm -hmm. mean, your decision to becoming a coach I think yes, because I was given a lot of opportunities to work within the professional setting. Mm-hmm. So I was working for professional clubs in the media side, in yeah. coaching. Yeah. So it gave me first-hand experience in how to do this and if I want to do this. Yeah. So 
So it's, it was a big part. And I also did my coaching qualification and scouting qualification in the UK. Oh, so it, it was a big part of um, my decision in becoming a football coach. I love that. And, um, and when did you come back to Malaysia? I think 2017 or 2018. And was that tough to kind of like land the, the gig that you are doing today? Or people were very welcoming about having a female coach in the football? I think it was world. quite like the second option. I think it was quite difficult for people to accept that. Because mm. initially when I was in the UK and I would come back for the summer holidays, mm-hmm. uh, people were more willing to talk yeah. about me potentially coming back because they thought I wouldn't do it. Right. So when I actually came back, um, a lot of them stopped talking to me in a way because they didn't want me to pursue this. Mm. And there was uh, this idea that women shouldn't be in football to begin with and mm-hmm. it was a joke and yeah. I would just forget about it. Yeah. So that was the consensus at the time. Mm-hmm. So it took many years before I could get to this point. And I just want to applaud you for pushing through, girl. Thank and, you. And, you know, putting um, your place in this world of sports that's so dominated by men. I mean, nothing. I mean, we love our men, right? But unfortunately, that's just the society's perspective that there's no place for women in football. And that's not true. Cash, you've been doing such amazing job with your team and, and just paving ways for future generations of female sportswomen, female athletes as well. So I just want to thank you for that. Thank you. For pushing through, really. I think that's how it make, you make a difference, am I right? And also for you guys who are wondering, the Commonwealth Games 2022 is going to be held in Birmingham and starting on the 28th of July and all the way till 8th of August, if I'm not wrong, right? Yeah, we will be putting out more details in the description down below. But right now, I, I have more questions. Far, is there something you want to share? Um... I think the Commonwealth Games, especially that will be held in Birmingham, will mm-hmm. be such an amazing experience. For sure. And every Commonwealth Games, I've been to three, yeah. um, has always left an imprint in my mind. Mm-hmm. And through even competition or the opening ceremony or the people, yeah. like the people, every time you go for a game, all the people, the supporters are so amazing. They mm-hmm. shop at the stadiums. Yeah. They're and at the Athletes Village. Yeah. You feel such... You get to see the culture, you get mm-hmm. to see the people, you talk to everyone from every other country, but also the camaraderie between you and your teammates, but yes. also with other countries as well. Sure. So I am sure that this Commonwealth Games is going to be so amazing. And yeah. I really, really wish all the athletes competing a wonderful, wonderful competition and good luck. Love that. And yeah, I love the inclu- inclusivity, the the diversity that you do ex- you do see from, from, from sports in general. Like, uh, I get emotional watching all these ceremonies. I'm not sure why. Um, I'm sure you guys too, being there yourself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think um, especially like watching, you know, like teammates compete or yeah. even like they win or even everyone watching the Winter yeah. winter Olympics. It's just it like, unites people. So big, yeah, oh, like, yeah. Like, so big, like, <laughs> I know what they're like feeling or when they're upset, especially yeah. as an athlete or even if you're in sports, right? You know what, as a coach, you know what the athlete is feeling For and sure. as an athlete, you know what they are going through. Yeah. So you feel everything that they're feeling and then yeah. sometimes my parents are like, why are you crying? Because I know what they're feeling. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm there like me and my elder sister especially were just like tearing. Oh no. Yeah, and, and when they win and it's just like, especially, you know, winning, especially you in Malaysia, especially, it must have been such an amazing opportunity to feel that. I think, um, I think the, the whole... Um, working hard you need to really work hard to mm. get to where you are you know yeah. it's not just yay I'm going you yeah know? It's, it's the process um the training the hours you put in uh the time you put in with the coach and just hard work and tears you know mm-hmm. um especially when you're at a, such a young age 
um, you don't get to be like a like let's say when I was um, 12 to, to 16 years, mm -hmm. years old uh, everyone that age you're a teenager you go out yes. you go for movies you hang out with friends yeah. but at that period in time I was just training you know I it was just training and then school and then back to training it, it's never ending and mm -hmm. we get like maybe once a week off <laughs> and even that it's just for family yeah. you know so they don't um, not many people know how far and how much we have to put in the work that we have to put in to get into that stage. So when you perform and you compete and you see that person, you really feel that, you know? Yeah. Let's so. talk about that. Like yeah. how much hours of training in much. a day? <laughs> Too, much. Much. Too, Too much. Too yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> if you can quant quantify it, how a day, how, how many hours do you spend on training? Um, so... I think for me throughout my career, yeah. it's been very diversified. Right. So when I was younger, I think around like uh, my teenage years. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you like during high school. Yeah. So Average, in high school, yeah. I was, we had school, oh no, sorry, I had training from 7 to 8.30. And then I had school from 9.30 to 2.30. Yep. And I had training 3 to 7. Then I had classes 8.30 to 10. That was Monday to Friday. And then wow. on Saturdays, we had training from 9 to 1. Okay. <laughs> so that Did was, you get that? <laughs> I, I got that. I won't ask again. I'm no, sorry. No, but like as you grow yeah. older, like now um, as a professional yes. athlete, um, it's similar schedules, yeah. but uh, because I'm, I would I say I'm like more professional older, so yeah. the time is more. Oh, uh, it's different. Flexible. We have do we do more um, quality training than right. quantity. Got it. And got so it. it could be maybe like from four to six hours a day of training from Mondays to Saturdays. Still mm. a lot. Yeah, still a lot. Still a lot, but a bit more flexible. I go for a 20 minutes run sometimes. I'm tired already. So I hate running. I understand. Why so long? <laughs> okay, okay. So when I was a gymnast, yeah. I was doing six to seven hours as well. Wow. Uh, but now I think the national girls are doing more. Yeah. So I'm also involved in the national girls yeah. because um, I'm also... Them, right? No, not training oh, not them. Training so them. I changed the, train the younger girls. Ah, okay. Um, but um, I'm also involved in the national team as well because nice. I'm in the, the committee. committee. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm also a national, uh, uh, international judge as well. Ah, so okay. I do see them once in a while to yep. judge, you know, yeah. like control testing and all that. Yeah. 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 So they do uh, put up a lot of time uh, during training. Some mm. of them go up to eight, nine o'clock in the evening as well. Wow. That's, yeah. that's very, very, very like long hours. And even like Sundays, even though it's one day rest, but most of the time we spend with family or we're sleeping. I usually find mine. I'm just like sleeping, sleeping all day. Yeah. And and that is that's not even talking about like recovery and rehab and physio mm. and uh, maybe going to the IC a psychologist and uh, then nutrition yeah. and it all actually adds up to being basically like a eight to eight time job like every day. Then how do you make time for everything else? Like you family. Don't. You don't. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, like time, like I guess, like time management. So yeah. a lot of our families really understand that mm. you know we are doing this because it's our passion. We yeah. love this, and so they understand that you know, like even my friends when I was in university, mm -hmm. um, they knew that I was always very busy. So yeah. they carved out time to spend with me, or yeah. they helped me doing assignments. And my family knew that okay, we have family dinners on Saturday night, and everyone tried to be together because that was the only day. Yeah, and so you find people in your life that understand your journey, mm -hmm. and you really you kind of form a bigger family with your gymnastics family and also yeah. like your own family. I love that. And I think um, with that said, I think our parents, mm -hmm. um, they actually, they, what do you say? Um, they sacrifice a lot 
for us. For sure. You know, with uh, when we were younger, obviously they're sending us to and fro mm-hmm. training. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they actually put up a lot with, um, put down what they do, and actually it's all about us. Yeah. yeah. So it's very important to have that family support mm-hmm. because without that, then you know you won't get that. Yeah. You, you won't be strong enough in that sport as well. Yeah. Would you say like say someone without the support system that you had? would they still be able to thrive in sports? Or that is really one of the most very important element when it comes to sports. Very uh, curious. I think it's very important because yeah. um, there was once where I actually didn't want to continue gymnastics. Mm. And my parents had to actually uh, speak with me and talk to me, talk through it with me because I was a kid, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, nobody would understand me other than my parents and obviously my coach as well. Right. Um, so I think this this support system is very important. But at the same time, mm-hmm. um, we we are trained to be also mentally strong. Yeah. You know, we also have a mental trainer. Yeah. I remember that, oh. uh, and we had to go through that so that we understand what what uh, the process is like yes. to be in the national team. Because yeah. a lot of kids now they think that oh you know I'll just join the sport and I'll get into the national team, but it's not, it's not like that. that. Simple. Yeah, it's not that simple. Yeah. Mm. Very, very true what you're saying. But I think also that I, I know some of my, not my teammates, but I know of athletes who don't have the support or yeah. um, their family doesn't think that, you know, sports is a viable yeah. outcome yeah. or a profession. Yeah. Um, but I see them thrive yeah. because I think ultimately we, as a, we make our own choices yeah. in our lives. And even if people don't support, mm-hmm. um, we can carve out. But yeah. saying that, of course, I think family, like even for me, my family was the one who, without them, I would never ever be here today. Because as I, my parents sent me to and fro, yeah. and so really, without them, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. But I know that some people don't have yeah. that. Yeah. And just saying to them that, you know, even though you don't, mm-hmm. you have to always believe in yourself and you just mm-hmm. pursue what you want and your passion and you will get there. I love that. Thanks for sharing, really. I think that was very, very insightful. Um, Because we've only seen when you guys were competing or like in action, but like just going down to the human level of being an athlete, that was very interesting. Um, Having said that, you know, we have witnessed your rise in glory, your peak of your performance during games, during tournaments, um, just really witnessing what you ladies do, what you do best. But of course, I am very curious, how do you keep showing up even on your hardest days. I'm pretty sure there are challenges. So I'm sure there are a lot of stories. So spill it, girl. <laughs> but yeah, tell us. Very curious. How do you show up? Keep showing up. I think for me especially was having a goal in mind. Yeah. So to having to knowing that every step of the process that I needed to take, even on days where I felt tired, I didn't want to go for training, I was in pain. Mm-hmm. Most of the time we're always in pain. <laughs> <laughs> always something is pain, something is hurting, you're tired. But you no know, having that goal in mind and knowing mm-hmm. that every step will help me in the process. Mm-hmm. And also in saying that that there are going to be very, very bad days. There are for going sure. to be very good days. There are going to be days that you love the sport and days that you absolutely hate mm-hmm. it. But having something in mind that you know that you want to get there, that really does help me as wanting to show up for myself. Having a goal and sticking to it, no matter what it takes. Yeah. What about Akash? Do you have? I agree with Farah. Farah, I think that like having that tunnel vision Mm -hmm. is a big part of that, that process. Yeah. But for me, it's also remembering the naysayers and what they've said. 
because I feel like I would only quit on my terms. And oh, yeah. <laughs> and most of the bad days and the tough times is because of people putting you in those positions. Yeah. So that's the kind of the thing I remember. <laughs> I, I like that. Um, Carolyn, now you coach um, kids, young kids right now. Yes. And I'm sure there are days where they don't want to show up, teacher, I don't want to train. But as a, as a coach, how, how do you um, nurture that or how do you help them go through that? that period of time? Of course, now um, for, for kids, yeah. it's very different training from, from oh, yeah? the older ones and the, for sure. uh, the g- national gymnast girls. So for me, I'm here to actually nurture them, mm-hmm. to, to introduce them to the sport. Mm. So it's not really so much on pushing so hard mm. or, um, or, or making sure they do it very well, mm. but more for, for fun, to introduce, to, to let them know what the sport is really like, not just serious... Yeah. You know, because it is fun, yes. especially at the at a very young age. So I think girls are age four and above. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So four years old, their attention span is not very <laughs> not very big. Yeah. yeah. So it's really more to introduce the sport. Having yeah. fun with it. Yes, that's mm. right. Yeah. And okay. then once they grow older, then they understand the sports better. Yeah. yeah. So then they go for competitions mm-hmm. and then the parents are there to help them out through the process as well. Yeah. Then you can see the the improvement, which is really, really good. For my side, because yeah. I feel like it's an achievement. Yeah. I mean, it's their achievement, but yeah. it's also mine as a coach. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, that's very interesting. We've got different different perspectives here. But also, because being a woman, that also means we go through menstruation periods. So I've always been curious. Actually, yeah, we, we did put up like a question poll uh, for your fans to ask some question. And this is one of the very commonly asked questions. Like, preparing for a tournament, yes, that's one. Training, that's one. But how do you still do it with your period cramps, with, with, you know, blood flowing out of our bodies? Like, how do you go through that? <laughs> Mood swings and I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think uh, as an athlete, it's just that like something that as a woman we go through. Yeah. And so for us, it was just like, the training is this time, we're there. Right. And so it was just me just pushing. Very pushing. matter of fact about yeah, it. Yeah, matter of fact. I Ooh. mean, like we're a woman, this is something that we go through. Yeah. And sometimes during competitions, but also like, you know, it's in your head, right? You're yeah. like, oh, okay. I've, you need to remember so yeah. that, because obviously we're in Leo's hearts. For sure. And so you have to just like, make, make sure, sure there's no leak. Yeah, just stuff. make sure there's no leak and make sure that, you know, you, I, for me, especially like, I would like change my pet right before I go out mm-hmm. just to, you know, be safe. Yep. But also I think that it was, yeah, I know I didn't. I'm very lucky not to have very bad cramps, but I knew uh. of a senior of mine who had really, really bad cramps. Mm-hmm. And our coaches really understood. Okay. They're like, oh, you have pain. And sometimes when I have back pain because of my period, yeah. then I, oh, I know this. So I have to differentiate between my actual back pain and my period <laughs> back pain to know that like, okay, like this one I can push through yeah. and then the other back pain maybe need to tell coach. <laughs> so, yeah, but like things like that, you know, go through your mind. Yes, but yes. I think um, as us, like we are sports and we're, we do know that, you know, this is something that we go through and mm. we are very mindful. And mm. I think especially when in a sports with like all girls, uh, with men is something that we do have to talk to and yes. to teach the younger girls. You know, it's, not, it's something not to be ashamed of. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's everyone, it's a very natural process. Yeah. And so I think the communication between us, gymnasts, uh, me, especially senior gymnasts to my to my juniors and the coaches, mm-hmm. it's an open communication. So that's really great. Yeah, I like that. Like you don't have to hide about it. Like you've got a period today and that's just how it is, right? Very matter of fact about it. I like that. Straightforward. Okay. Is there anything you want to add on? No, because yeah. I actually got my period after I stopped gymnastics. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. That's quite late, So it's right? quite late. Um, oh. 
I think it's the diet yeah, and all yeah. that as well. And the intensive training yes, during correct. that period So I'm actually time. lucky enough not to be able to oh, experience. But at the wow. same time, sometimes when I, you know, when juniors or, yeah. or kids ask me, yeah. I, I don't really know what to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but it's a it's a process. Mm. Um, it's something that you you can't stop. For sure. Yeah, you know, so you just have to Go through with it. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And I'm I'm curious, does it affect your performance? No, it's just... I, it doesn't affect your performance, but your body does feel a bit weird, I would say. I, mm. I guess I, I don't... It's not good to say weird, but I think it just feels different. Oh, like a yeah. little... Some, something's yeah, not like, quite for right. For me, I think I sometimes I get my thigh aches a little bit okay. more. Um, and as I said, my back hurts. So mm. it's those certain things that I'm aware of, yeah. so I know. Yeah. And also sometimes my energy level does... Fluctuate. Uh, fluctuate uh, but in training you're always tired all the time so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean she can win a goal with her knee gashed out I mean uh, I think she can do anything uh. yeah but I think well, yeah, th- those are just the win. things but it doesn't it doesn't deter us in any, any way for sure and I like that and because people used to say and used to think that women are not as strong not as capable as men because of period that's holding us back in terms of physical capabilities and this just goes to show it doesn't yeah, not at all. I mean, look at Farah. Come on. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, wow. We've been talking for quite a bit and I still have a lot of questions. Do we have time? Yes? Yes. <laughs> of course, they are forced to sit here. I'm just kidding. Um, it's very hard to get these three ladies together. So I'm very, very grateful. I'm just going to milk them up as much as I can today. But yeah, for real. That was just a joke, by the way. Okay, let's talk about... I mean, we've talked about your experience as an athlete, your... Um, your rise and then your challenges. But what about, I'm very curious about a athlete's, an athlete's career span. Um, because when we talk about retirement age, it's not 50, 60, like the regular peeps, right? When it comes to the world of sports, it's very different. Um, maybe you guys can walk us through that. Uh, how, what determines a retirement age and when does an athlete usually retire? From football, from gymnastics, yeah. listening on Spotify as soon as I finished asking that question all eyes were on Carolyn so that's why she's like why you look at me so for rhythmic gymnastics and I think for artistic gymnastics as well we start at very young age yeah. so Farah Ann started at 3 right yeah, I started at three. so um, my girls the little ones I would take minimum 4 years old okay yeah and maximum age for a newcomer would be 7 and below so that's really wow. really young yeah. Yeah, because they have to start at a very young age. And this is if they want to uh, make it into a career, like be competitive, join yes. competitive. Yes, right? that's okay. right. Yeah, so we have to start very young because for rhythmic gymnastics, you have to have the agility, the flexibility, the strength mm. and everything and the coordination as well, yes. right? So you have to learn it at a very young age. Yes. Yeah, so from there, we, we go, go on. Um, I think... For me, I stopped at 16, but yeah. that was also quite young. Yeah. Um, the oldest gymnast, uh, uh, ex-gymnast in Malaysia was mm-hmm. actually 20, if I'm not mistaken, 26, which is uh, Amy Kwan. Mm. Yeah, Amy Kwan. So, and the current uh, gymnast, national gymnast, the oldest is actually, um, I think 26 as well. Around uh, there. Yes, Khoi oh. Yeah. So, um, 
that is actually the peak already. Mm. Yeah, so 26, 27, that's actually our peak. And some of the spots, they start a lot later and they finish a lot later. For us, we start very, very young, young, at a very young age. Yeah. And maximum would be around 26, 28. Mm. That's because our bodies change. Yeah. Um, of course, we have our periods and all as well. Yeah. Um, we get a little bit stiffer yeah. uh, with age as well. Yeah. And our body, our... Um, um, our <laughs> hormones? hormones? <laughs> yes, our hormones, yeah. everything, we change. Yeah. So it's always very good for rhythmic gymnastics to start at a very, very young age. Right. Yeah. So I asked this off camera just now. So if I'm, say, 15 and I want to start competing, cannot, right? Um. Not very possible unless you do it as like a an activity, like a uh, teenager or adult yeah. gymnastics. Right. Yeah, not yeah. really for uh, like competitive. A, yeah, because yeah. of just the bodily changes that we are going through and the capabilities right. that you can or cannot do at that yes. age, right? That's mm -hmm. right. Yeah. So like for example, with with me with artistic, yeah, we we both like gymnastics. Really start very young. So I started yes. at three. Yeah. And with artistics, it's a little bit different than rhythmic because rhythmic it's very much with flexibility mm. and coordination. Yes. And with artistic, it's more tumbling and jumping yes. and acrobatics. So we do, we can start a little bit later as well. Uh -huh. I've had teammates who started at the age of 10. Ah. Um, I think one started at 11. Mm -hmm. And then, so for gymnastics, artistic, um, junior age is 13 to 15. So mm -hmm. if you compete internationally, 13 to 15, 16, you're a senior. Mm. So that's why when we're saying like 15, that means 16, you're already like a senior level right. gymnast. okay. And so that's why like competitive in the Olympics, 16, you can already qualify. It used to right. be 12. Okay. But then due to the fact that a lot of gymnasts were breaking a lot earlier mm -hmm. at that age, so they decided to, to pick it to 16. And retirement for artistic um, has been going up. So our oldest gymnast in the world yeah. is Oksana Chichimidina, who is 40... No seven. Way. I think no she's turning. So I, I competed with her at the Olympics. Wow. We were the same group. Wow. <laughs> yes. Very seven. Amazing. But she is one in seven billion. Oh yeah. Like I cannot imagine anyone else, but she is the most amazing person, most mm -hmm. amazing woman I've met. Yeah. And she's super I just have no, no, no words. I have no words <laughs> to explain how amazing that she is. Mm. But especially now with sports science yes. and uh, more knowledge about uh, women's bodies and about training mm -hmm. and the psychology of it and also the training loads yeah. as a more um, senior athlete yeah. has been able to, for me, as I'm 28 yeah. and I've been doing this for 25 years yeah. and the age has really risen. Over so the there years. is really no age that you you retire. You, yeah. yeah, there's no like, Not okay, thing. you're like 20 something. That's and it, you're done. You're no, right? Yeah. yeah, there isn't. So you can stop or retire when you're 16 when like, a lot of girls do because they, they reach their peak and they want to mm -hmm. do something else with their mm -hmm. lives and yeah. that's amazing yeah. and some want to do it into their 30s. Some have kids come back and still For compete sure. and so it's really about choices that you want to make in your own lives mm -hmm. where, you know, I've done everything I want to do in this spot mm -hmm. and I've given everything that I can and now I want to step down because I've achieved everything that I want. So yeah. people retire at that age. Right. So there really is no, the sky is really the limit yeah. and it really is a personal journey for each and every athlete. Yeah. And of course, there are some who, because of injuries, but it's I'm so grateful now with sports science that people even with ACL injuries yeah. or like Achilles injuries come back yeah. and are have amazing careers after yeah. that. So to answer your question, no, there really isn't an age. But yes, if you want to start at 15. Yes. Um, a bit susah, yeah? A bit susah lah. Tidak boleh, sis. But for okay. my, my 
playing not my like you know I know for ad- fun uh, I for think adult right. gymnastics I think even football like if you want to to yeah. do it as for fun yeah and then to to join a Commonwealth game maybe cannot uh, not, cannot <laughs> can watch the Commonwealth game yeah. can <laughs> join maybe cannot <laughs> I love it I love it okay oh wow um well Cash but what about you now you are a coach is there such a thing as a retirement period of age since there's no age right for a coach in general I think in like typically coaches start late in mm-hmm. terms of their career it's almost usually after yeah, yeah. usually I think it's early 20s mm-hmm. is the youngest usually mm-hmm. so I think from that point onwards it's up to you when you mm-hmm. want to retire but with coaches you don't always get a job lined up one after the other that's true too so it just depends on what you want to achieve out of your career and what level you want to get to mm-hmm. so there's no really like a limit for that do you, and for you, do you have um, like a 10-year plan for yourself or like a five-year plan or you're just going with the flow? How, how, how do you work? So I think for me, my objective is to get to the highest level possible in mm-hmm. the sport. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a 20, 30-year journey. journey. Mm-hmm. But along the way, I would like to try things that challenge me and mm-hmm. things that I want to experience mm-hmm. along the way. So that's one of the reasons why after hitting the milestone of coaching like a senior men's team, Mm -hmm. I wanted to try taking on my own academy as well. Mm -hmm. So it's just like building up those like small steps Mm -hmm. towards the big goal. I love that. And you're only 27, Cash. The world is your oyster. There's just so much more ahead of you. I'm super excited for your journey, really. And I'm so glad we we got to meet because, um, yeah, when they mentioned... Um, your name to me, I was like, oh, wow, this is a very interesting profile. And I went to read into your story. I watched some of your interviews and I really, really, really love what you do. And I love that despite the naysayers, you still push through. I say so many times because (laughs) I mean it. But yeah, okay. Um, Yeah, then one last question for this uh, block really is, we talked about there's no retirement age, but say you do retire. Usually what's the next step? Some people just don't touch the gymnastics anymore. But some, they do, like you said, will open up your academy. Like you, Carolyn. Yeah, you're still dedicating your whole mm-hmm. lives to it. So maybe you can yeah, talk so to us about it. So when I retired yeah. at the age of 16. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, do you I, know that you wanted to open then? No, not uh, at all. Okay. So yeah, I went to, to college. I did advertising and uh, graphic <gasps> designing. So I was wow. thinking of going through to that, that yes. area. But... Um, one day, one of the coaches asked me if I could uh, help in, you know, to, mm-hmm. to try coaching as well. So I said, why not, right? Yeah. So I did that um, for once a week, twice a week. Yeah. And then I decided, hey, you know, I actually like doing this. Yeah. And from a very young age, I actually like being around kids. Right. So okay. when I did that, mm-hmm. uh, when I started coaching, just helping out, I decided, hey, you know, this is something I'd like to do. Mm-hmm. So I started off doing that mm-hmm. and then going to schools, um, teaching gymnastics, mm-hmm. um, like an outsource sports. And then after a while, like in 2010, I said, why not just open a school and get them to come to me instead, you know, yeah. instead of me going to them, right? <laughs> so I, I did that, uh, no hesitation at all. Yeah. Um, I didn't even think whether it was going to work or not, but it was just really a goal. So as I was saying, you know, as a gymnast, you just have a goal and you go for it. And I did that. Mm. after being a gymnast. Yeah. So I opened my school in 2010 and it's now 2022. So that's 12 been years. 12 years. I can't believe it myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I've been opening, I've been having this school for 12 years now and I love what I'm doing. I love mm. being able to nurture the kids and yeah. seeing them grow in the sport. Yeah. Because for me, it's not really, um, it's, it's really for the younger girls. Yes. 
to groom them yes. and then to get them to perhaps a national level. Yeah. It's not really to just get them there, but more the process yeah. in learning what the sport's really like, mm-hmm. um, what you need to do. And at the end of the day, they come out a lot more stronger as well. They come out a lot more disciplined. Yeah. Um, I say that because me, myself as a gymnast, when uh, I retired, I was I, I feel that I'm a lot more disciplined. I know what I want. Mm-hmm. I know the goals that I want to achieve. Um, and I think it has actually, um, I've actually given that to my students as well. So the girls who have actually stopped gymnastics uh, under my care, mm-hmm. um, they've pursued their school and they're overseas now and their parents come back to me and they thank me for it. They thank me because they say, you know, my child, she knows what she wants. Wow. Um, she's not swayed by other people. I'm not worried about her when she's overseas. So she, they, they basically have that goal and yeah. I'm really thankful that I've been able to give that to them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Goes to show that sports is not just physical. It does really shape you as a human being with the values that comes with it too. Love that. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. I think we got to move on to our next um, block of the conversation. Although I want to stay on and ask more questions, but time is not really on our side. But okay. (sighs) Wow. This is going to be a little tough. I mean, for me at least. Um, the scrutiny that women experience and even more so female athletes, right? So it's really not uncommon for women athletes to um, be judged, scrutinized for the way they look as uh, versus their performance compared to the male counterparts, right? When you see a man in speedo, people don't talk much about it. But when you see, say, a female athlete in something more tight-fitting, people talk about it. So why being a pretty face is unfortunately being this common notion where people place more value in that than your performance. Maybe not all, but some, they are some. And have you ever experienced anything like that? And how did that make you feel? But I think um, after a conversation earlier, we we know where you stand, Farah. Like you're super strong-headed, level-headed. You know where your value and are and what you're worth. But despite it all, has it ever affected you in any way? Or you, Carolyn and Cash? Well, um, especially for me, I think, of course, any negative things that we see or we hear, and especially now with social media and comments, even though you, it can be like, okay, I, I don't care about what these people say. I don't know these people. Like, who, who are who, they? Who are they? Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes they're just like um, empty accounts. Yeah. But words still hurt. And yeah. I, I'm so blessed and so thankful to be surrounded by amazing women, my family, my teammates, my, my coaches, friends. But of course, these comments hurt and we're oh. just human. Like if we, we read this, it does, sometimes you don't want to internalize it, but you, it does sometimes come into your heart and you're like, you know, it, is this true? Like, what mm-hmm. are these people saying? Is this true what they're saying about me? But I think that that's when, especially for me, I have to block it out. Mm. And say, you know what? This is my goal. I'm doing this for this. I'm doing this because I love my sport. I love doing gymnastics and competing and representing my country and making my country proud. And I have family and friends who support me, who I actually go to and talk to and discuss all these things. So, and in the end, it's just coming back to myself and saying, why am I doing this? Mm. Is it worth it? And it always, the answer comes yes. And, and then and I'm saying like, who are these people? Nobody. Go to this account. 
and then and sometimes I you know I talk to myself in my room I'm like okay lah come lah say to my face <laughs> you know like sometimes you just have to kind of just be like a little bit more I guess aggressive in oh, a yeah? stance where you know people get to say these horrible things to you and you know comment on things where you know in the end it doesn't matter for sure it really doesn't yeah and I like what you did that come say it to my face and would they still say it probably not right um yeah, having this much pressure being put onto you, not just the way we look, like just being women, doubting our capabilities, our abilities. Um, for you, Cash, very curious, as have you ever been doubted um, your abilities by your students? Do you call them students? Your players, your players um, parents or guardians or whoever that think that, oh, why are you coaching my kid? Have you ever experienced that? Quite often. <laughs> Can you tell Almost. us, walk us through how that's like for you and how do you overcome it and what do you tell them? I think when I was uh, much younger, when I first started out, I used to get very emotional about it. I'll react, I'll get angry and then I'll get really sad about it because I felt that it was quite unfair okay, sure. that I was judged on appearance or age, yeah. things like that, rather than what I can do. Mm -hmm. But then eventually, the group that I have right now, the first team, mm -hmm. They've never doubted my ability. They just walked in and they were just from day one, they bought into what I was trying to do. Mm -hmm. But even then, now we get the pressure from external sources, like the people that watch the games, uh, people that have heard about me. They mm -hmm. come to games and sometimes you can hear them uh, criticizing my looks and things like that yeah. from the sideline. Yeah, I would like to think that at this point you get desensitized from it. But as recently as last week, this had happened. Ah. And I reacted in a way that I didn't expect to react. I was really angry and then I was really upset. And that particular game, we won 6-1. Wow. But I was still more focused on what that had been said rather yeah. than the performance the boys put in and what we had done to get there. Yeah. So it still affects you on a day-to-day -day basis. But when I spoke to a friend about it, the concept of the weight of opinions came in. Mm -hmm. So someone close to you saying the same thing would have a different weight than someone on the sideline that don't know you. Absolutely. So it's just trying to find that focus and trying to take the emotions out for a while, mm -hmm. get into perspective and then move on from it. I like that. Very practical step and practical way. Ask yourself, if this person said it to me, would it affect me as much as that person, right? Just kind of like putting into words and kind of breaking it down for you to understand how you feel. And um, for Carolyn, I'm also curious. Like, I mean, you are coaching a group of really, I'm sure, adorable young girls, right? Actually, I would love to see what you do someday. I might come visit. Um, but yeah, like as a coach yourself, how do you think we can help these young athletes navigate through those experiences that we are going, you are going through? Um. I think to be very positive about it, yeah. uh, to talk to them about it, to tell them and assure them yeah. that, you know, um, what other people say, it's not, it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, you are doing the sport. Yes. And at the, the end of the day, it's whether you love the sport or not. Mm -hmm. So whoever that tells you that, the, that you're not good enough or you can't do this sport, or you can't pursue it at all, it's just go in one year and come oh, out wow. the other year, you know? <laughs> because at the end of the day, you prove to them that you are better than the rest and you are going to be able to achieve what you want to achieve. Mm -hmm. yeah. Very, I think I will join your class. I'll sign up for a class soon. <laughs> mm, not, not for the reason of competing in any game. <laughs> but yes, but yeah, thanks for that. Um, 
I think it's also nice to hear from the perspective of an athlete as well as a coach. I think we have two different very sound um, advices from, from you ladies. I really like that. And also, I think we are slowly coming to the end of our conversation. Um, just slowly wrapping up. And re- this is really through some of our research that me and Bella, our showrunner, has done is that um, through our research, teenage girls drop out of sport at a starkly different rate than their male peers. And uh, there's this report from the Canadian Women in Sport found that uh, among girls who have participated in sport, one in three would leave sports by their late teens, right? Um, So also something that I personally have experienced and uh, I do tend to ask as well, me and Bella was just talking about it. Yeah, it's true. Like, you know, back back when we we were in high school, uh, we participate in sports. We have our sports day, you know, that there are this particular sport that we would represent the school for. But for some reason, after SBM, we don't really go back to it. Like we don't even touch it, no matter how much we love the sport at some point. So why is that? And why do you think is that? Is there a lack of opportunities for women or, or girls, young girls? Or, and what do you think we can do to lead this next generation of athletes, male and female, and especially female, because of such lack opportunities for um, the girls to rise? What do you think can be done? And what do you think is lack of at the moment? For me, like uh, personal experience is that the lack of a safe space mm. because when I was growing up, when girls play sports, you're criticized for for your body, your body shame, and you're only allowed a certain type of sport because it's seen as feminine. Mm-hmm. So if we can create a safe space in school for women or girls to explore different types of sports, mm-hmm. then they'll feel safe to pursue that further once they leave that environment. So mm. I think that's a big one. I can actually relate to you, Cash, what you said about um, when a girl or me, for, this is my personal experience. I remember getting into fitness quite a bit in my early years before I became a coach myself. Um, I was told by a couple of family members not to lift so much weights because I look like a man. I'm too muscular. So then as much as I didn't want it to affect me, it did. It did make me realize oh, do I look like I'm... I was so overly conscious about the way I look and I ended up not doing it for a bit. Um, but of course, you know, with the support system, which is very important, that got me back into it. But what I'm saying is girls go through that and not everyone is lucky enough to maybe have the support system. So yeah, thanks for sharing that. I could definitely relate. Um, I think for me, I think opportunity mm-hmm. is something that's very important. For example... Um, I was very lucky because both my parents were in sports and then we called around and we found out that there was a gym in Sha'alam and it kind of grew from there. But um, I think knowledge, opportunity and also, um, especially for parents, to know that even doing something like this, Mm -hmm. giving them um, opportunity, telling them, especially parents, that, you know, being in sports is a very good opportunity for your girls. Even if they don't want to pursue it to to become a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. You can do it for strength, for support, yeah. for team, for learning how to be dedicated. That is very important for the development of a child. Mm-hmm. And I also know because I work closely um, with the National Majestu Kanagara, they've mm-hmm. actually just launched a um, a woman in sports department nice. that really focuses on building up women. And especially now, I know they're working uh, very closely with women's sports, for example, football, rugby, um, netball, I believe. And I think that is a first step, but it's also raising awareness and especially in schools and like people like us. And um, it starts from the grassroots of really telling and informing the media and then changing the narrative 
behind, okay, it's all right for a girl to run like a girl, to be muscular, yeah. to be masculine, to be, yeah. you know, all these terms that we always have a divide, a binary where, you know, this is masculine, this is feminine, that kind of narrative needs to change. And yeah. I think it really starts with us yeah. and to build that up. And especially with young girls, I think it's very important for them to hear in the media to change the way, for example, I don't know why there's always like the 10 hottest female athletes at a game. <laughs> and I'm, it's, yeah. it's, and I don't see that for men. Some, yeah. It, it's, it's something that needs to change because it really does put where, oh my looks, I should be judged on my character, my performance and how well I do mm -hmm. instead of how I look. It yeah. doesn't matter how I look. Yeah. It's the, the dedication and everything that I put into it. So I yeah. think that really needs to change. But I know more opportunities are opening up yeah. and I hope that this really drives into the future where we have more girls who are very excited to become athletes, to become sportsmen, to become coaches, to yeah. be in all levels of Correct. the sporting industry. Yeah, and know that sports isn't just exclusive for men or not just reserved for men. It's for everyone. Yeah. Carol, Carol, Carolyn, you, you want to share? You're good? <laughs> <laughs> the, the ladies covered everything. <laughs> She's like, oh. yep, yep, that's what I want to cover. Yep, tick, tick, tick. Oh my goodness. I love what we had today. I love the conversation and I love that we are starting this conversation. I'm pretty sure we're not the first one, but... The fact that we're continuing the conversation, I think that's very, very important. And I definitely want to send my future kids, girls, boys, to, to do sports, right? And I have seen personally firsthand how it does really shape you, not just physically, changes you as a human being, having more discipline, being more laser focused in the things you do. And just like, I really like what you shared, Carolyn, just knowing what you want. And that has really, it embodies what you do today as well with for you and the girls. So um, having said that, um, I'm done with my formal boring questions, okay? Uh, we're going to move on to some interesting questions that some of our audience and your fans um, sent in. So, all right, let's go for this one. Steffi underscore likes. She asked, what are your hobbies and interests outside of sports? I think we talked about football and gymnastic a lot. So what's outside of it? Um, well, I actually have an advanced license for scuba diving. Ooh. So I love being at the sea. So when I have the very limited time <laughs> that I have, I go scuba diving. Uh, because actually my mom started it. So like nice. the whole family now is scuba dive. So I, I love, love that. that. And I love reading as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So well, those two things. The nice. only time that I have. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Cash? I think quite similarly, there's very limited time. Mm. So usually I try to spend it with people that I care about. Mm -hmm. Because it's hard to... Spend time with them or have same schedule where yeah, we could go out. That's true. So usually it's spending that chunk of time with them. Mm -hmm. um, reading, I read a lot because from lawyer days from when yes. I was younger. So those are the main ones. And then when it was possible was traveling. Yes. I mean, uh, well, yeah. technically, technically we can travel now. Yeah, just a little bit um, troublesome and expensive. I don't think there's such thing as a budget travel anymore. Because you probably have to do like 10,000 PCR tests on a short trip, okay? But what about you, Carolyn? Um, mine would be spending time with family. Mm. Um, I have two kids now. Yay! So you it's mentioned. really all about them. Yeah. Yeah, so just spending time. Uh, we can't really go out, so mm -hmm. we'll do activities at home. Mm. Um, I'm sending my kid to school, so she's learning things. So I'm going gradually going into that as well as a mm. mother, just teaching them slowly. And yeah. my, my older daughter just started gymnastics today. Yay! <laughs> So 
I will try that out. We'll see how that goes. But yeah. it's really more, again, just for an activity for her to have yeah. fun. Not yeah. so much on being serious and all yeah. that. Yeah. But who knows? It's in the blood. We'll who see. Knows? We'll see. <laughs> Check in again in two years. <laughs> it's in the Commonwealth Games 20. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, next question. Mm. All right. Uh, I think this one we asked before, but I'm just going to ask again because I think one, uh, some of you may not have answered it. This is from Wayward, wonderful. She asked, what's your pillar of strength that keeps you doing what you do? Cash, maybe you want to take this. I think the first one will be my family and mm. the support system that I have. But uh, another big one is the players that I have. I think everything that I do translates to them and the way they receive it and the performance and just in general how they view life and take on life mm-hmm. so even when you're having a really bad day a really bad time and then you remember that that mm-hmm. keeps you going so I think that was a big one for me mm. anyone else? I think we kind of like covered it yeah you covered <laughs> it like family okay. coach yeah I think you guys covered like, it quite a yeah. bit just now okay um, this is from Ali F- okay I'm not sure how to pronounce but A-L-Y-F-R-H-N-H uh-huh. Yeah. So I'm just <laughs> so you know who you are. Uh, when was the moment, if you remember that one moment, <laughs> that you knew this is it? Much I'm finding the one right, but this in terms of sports, lah. Huh? I think that moment for me, mm. I remember being six years old, mm. and we had MSSS, which is um. For the state, we had a competition and um, I did quite well, mm-hmm. won a couple of medals. And then so you qualify to MSSM, which is you represent the state, yeah. Selangor. And then um, I didn't get to go mm-hmm. and I was really upset. And I went and I told my mom and I told the coaches, I'm like, no, why can't I go? No, I did so well. And they're like, you have to be seven. You have to be oh. in school. <laughs> That's why you couldn't go. Because <laughs> I, I was in, I had to be seven. Okay. And I remember then when I was seven, I qualified and went for my first competition. And this is a story my mom told me. And we were driving because at that time, my parents would drive me to all my competitions. Mm. So we all packed ourselves in the answer van. We're going. My mom, and I told my mom, um, she told me, she's like, you you know, when you're little, you said, mommy, um, how am I going to win this competition? I said, because at that time I was seven. So the category is 12 and below, right? Seven (laughs) to 12. So I said, there'll be all these 12-year-old girls. How am I going to win? And my mom said, it's okay. You just compete. I said, no, I have to win. (laughs) Then my mom's, I think at that point, the whole realisation of me and my parents were like, oh, okay, I think she's in it for the <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think those are the moments yeah. where I really knew when I was young that I really loved this sport. And mm-hmm. I think it was just a particular moment of like being in training and competing was like the... There, I don't think there's ever a moment. It's yeah. like a lot of moments. Many that, moments many that lead moments to that big moment, right? Yeah. Got it. Mine was gradual as well, you yeah. know. So I was just doing gymnastics for fun. Yeah. And then I started competing in MSSS, MSSM, uh, MSSKWP. So, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. And then um, there was a time where they were actually selecting girls for uh, the national team. And I went for that and I did not get qualified. So I wasn't picked at all, right? So my mom was like, no mind, you try again, you know, mm. no big deal. So the next time it came, came again, so I went through that process again and I was actually the last person to get cut for the uh, the Commonwealth Games team. Oh. So yeah, so from there, there were just 12 girls. Yeah. So I was I got into that cut. I was the 12th girl. Wow. And the last girl um, from all the other girls that came in before this. Mm-hmm. So then from there, they start cutting, you know, they cut down, right? And then um, 
obviously it was a lot of work mm-hmm. and then we got to three and I was the top three. Wow. So that was a really good was thing it. for me. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. Cash, do you have any? I think for me, it's not just one moment. It's mm-hmm. a gradual, small moments building to it. Mm-hmm. But I remember one particular one where I was standing by the side of the pitch and I remember thinking I've not enjoyed anything more than what I'm doing right now. So I think that until now, I've not find a, found a similar thing at that level. Wow. So that was the moment. That's beautiful. Okay, last question. Um, this is from Chao, C-H-A-O underscore main. Um, she asks, does having a crowd during tournaments affect your performance in any way? I know Carolyn's answer. <laughs> you want to go? Affects in the best way. <laughs> <laughs> I I love the crowd. I really really yeah. love the crowd, and um for me it gives me that that energy and that boost mm-hmm. to even perform even better. Mm-hmm. So for me, the more crowd, the better. The louder <laughs> you go, the better. <laughs> Which explains your goal in 1998. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Because Commonwealth Games at the time was in Malaysia. Yes. So your that's whole family right. was there. Yes, everyone wow. was there. My brother was even in my tracksuit. <laughs> yeah, and, and he had his face face wow. painted the Malaysian flag, yeah. and he had all his friends coming as well to support. So that was the 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 best thing for me to mm. know that everyone was there to support, not just my family but also the whole of Malaysia. Mm, love that. What about you, Farah? Oh yeah, I love the crowd. As well. <laughs> okay, I love the crowd, and um, I my my best event is like the floor exercise, and mm. it's where I really get to showcase my personality and. It really was, especially like even in Sea Games for me, it was Sea Games in two thousand and seventeen, mm-hmm. and it was the Malaysian crowd, and my parents. My parents are always there, but this time it was like my parents, my friends, and and especially funny because my university university friends has never watched me compete. Yeah, and so for them, I was like, what what does she actually do? <laughs> and, she, and they were like, oh my god, you're actually quite good. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it really is such an amazing experience mm. to have a crowd, but mm. I think. Other than being in Malaysia and competing, my the first time I actually saw a full stadium. Because in Malaysia, gymnastics for artistic, uh, mm. when we have national championships, it's usually just our parents right. and some and your friends. Uh, so it's never like a full <laughs> some, stadium. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember at uh, in Scotland, it was the first time there was like a countdown and and I walked out and it's the stadium is three tiered. Wow. And it was filled, filled. to the brim. Oh and it was gosh. the first time I had ever seen that many people in the stadium and everyone cheering. And I I was a bit I was stunned? I was stunned. I was like, oh my god. And that was the time I performed at my best. Oh. So you can the conclusion is that I love the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, I love it. So next time we all start to call watch them, okay? Yeah. Okay. No, but, yeah, come yeah. on. But Sea Games in, in Malaysia as well was yeah. The most amazing thing, and especially because everyone's in a tiger yeah, mm. with the flags off, <laughs> with the flags, yeah. and the people painted their face, and like my parents are all like wearing my uh, all my tiger, like all the tiger shirts. Right? So you have like tiger shirts from like two thousand and five. That one is eight. That one is nine. And you know they are all big size, right? Yeah. So everyone in the family can wear it, you oh. know. And it's all too loose for us. <laughs> so everyone's like, "Well, that's mine. That's also mine." And because my dad was actually team manager for the two thousand and fifteen Sea Games, so he mm. was there. With me when I was competing oh. as my team manager, so my dad was behind me wearing my tig- the tiger shirt as well. Oh. And you know, so when we won the first gold in I think ten was it ten years at that time? And the last time we won was in two thousand and one, and then we won the for the first time in two thousand fifteen. Uh, the CGM gold medal, like the whole like we all erupted. My parents and everyone's crying, and I think that was also one of the best experiences. Oh, man, I can only imagine. 
Yeah. Beautiful. Oh man. Okay, okay. Can everybody cheer? One, two, go. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing compared to the stadium, but at least something. Okay, Cash, what about you? Last one before we wrap up. I think it's quite the opposite. Oh. Because typically, like, our audience are more male. Aggressive? Uh, Would you say? No, because. No. Me being like the only female coach there, uh, coaching a men's team against mm, men's team, it's mm. usually more like harassment and mm. like nonsense. But I think that's also quite interesting mm. because I found that it drives the boys' performance. Mm. So <laughs> yeah, so sometimes you get upset over it depending yeah. on the things that are being said. Mm -hmm. But I also think it's quite an interesting one because it actually pushes you to do even better. Yeah, it does. It sometimes. just depends on how you take it. So. It's very interesting actually because it's different with gymnastics. Like yeah. when Cash is football, like I feel like they're rowdy all yeah. the yeah. time. <laughs> but with gymnastics, it's different because they know when to. It's very different because yeah. with gymnastics, they know when to be silent. Oh. So the crowd actually knows when to yell. Yeah, you don't have random people just telling you uh, what to do. No, right? You don't have. Farah, do that. Do yeah, that. suddenly you're on the beam and suddenly you're like, <laughs> like people no, don't do that. Like okay. they kind of respect. So I, I think that's that. very different, different crowd. Different yeah. crowd. So I guess we're very lucky. <laughs> <laughs> But That's I've been in a football stadium before when yeah. like a game and yeah. it's and actually that crowd is amazing. Mm. Especially the ultras. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ultras, it's it's such an amazing different <laughs> different crowd. La. So that's one thing for the rest of us to know. Let's be better crowds, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Just keep our mouth shut when we don't have to say anything, because it may affect their performances <laughs> and we don't want to be responsible for that. Um but that aside, ladies, it's been so nice having you here. I think that conversation was super wholesome. It was so fun and funny at the same time. And at the same time, we got to know so much about you. And um yeah, I just want to thank you for your time today. Yeah, thank, thank you. you so much for having us. Yeah, thank and you. of course, thank special you. thanks to the British High Commission Kuala Lumpur, of course, to, for making this happen. And I think if they didn't approach um, the team for this, we wouldn't have made this happen. So I'm very, very happy that it did. And you ladies could make time because I'm pretty sure you're all very, very busy women. Um, so yes, we want to bring out the Commonwealth values as well. And also very happy that we did through this conversation that we had. And uh, to those of you guys who don't know, the values of Commonwealth are inclusivity, um, equality, diversity, and humanity. So for more information, you guys feel free to follow UK in Malaysia. That's their Instagram page uh, for some exclusive interviews that will be coming up very, very soon to learn more about the journey. And of course, to stay tuned to more updates on the upcoming Commonwealth Games that will be happening uh, on the 28th of July all the way till uh, 8th of August. All right, guys, um, that will be happening in Birmingham. So if you can't go to Birmingham, you can watch it on TV. All right, guys, I think with that, um, it is the end of the episode. Feel free to follow them on Instagram. Um, ladies, can you just plug in your Instagram real quick right now? All right, mine is um, at Kashika Subaru, mm -hmm. and that's it. And uh, mine is Farah N ninety four on Instagram, Farah N Hadi on Twitter, and Farah N official on everything else. <laughs> mine is my school's Instagram, which mm -hmm. is uh, Carolyn uh, CSRG rocks. That's right, yeah. it rocks. <laughs> All you ladies rock, and thank you so much for today. And with that, I always say this: don't forget to fall head over heels for yourself first. And always, until then, we'll see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.